0: Chapter One of War Stories for My Grandchildren. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. War Stories for My Grandchildren by John Watson Foster. Chapter One. Introduction. After the inauguration of President Lincoln, March the fourth, eighteen sixty-one much discussion followed in washington and in the north and plans were proposed respecting peaceable adjustment of the troubles occasioned by the secession of the southern states from the union but the first hostile gun fired at fort sumter and the national flag on april the twelfth put an end to all peace proposals and solidified the north in favor of restoring and preserving the union by force of arms as one of our statesmen of that day expressed it Yesterday, there had been difference of opinion. Today, there was unity. When, two days afterwards, the President's call for 75,000 volunteers for 3 months' service was issued, my first impulse was to respond to that call. But before any movement for enlistments could be made in our locality, the quota of Indiana was filled to overflowing. I was content for several reasons to await the progress of events. I cherished no desire for military glory, and distrusted my special fitness for the life of a soldier. In my college days I had contracted a horror of war, and regarded it as the most terrible and futile of human follies. Shortly before my graduation I had delivered a public address for my literary society on peace and war, using as its title Charles Sumner's well-known narration, The True Grandeur of Nations. "'I regarded myself as a peace man. "'I had only recently entered upon the practice of my profession "'and was ambitious to make a reputation as a lawyer. "'But, most serious of all, "'I had just established a modest home with a young wife "'and our first-born babe of less than a year old. "'It would be a terrible strain upon my affections and hopes "'to break these dearest of all ties for a life in the military service.' I, with the great body of the people of the North, entertained the hope that the 75,000 men who constituted the army so quickly formed would prove sufficient for the re-establishment of the Federal Union. But the Battle of Bull Run, July the twenty-first, dispelled that delusion, and the President's call for 300,000 afterwards increased to 500,000 volunteers for three years' service indicated that a long and bloody war was in prospect. I resolved no longer to delay my entrance into that service. Two days after that battle, I wrote my wife as follows. Quote, I intended to have written you a long letter last night in reply to your good one received yesterday afternoon, but I had no heart to write. The terrible and disastrous calamity to our army has made me sick. A thousand times rather would I have given my life and left you a widow and my darling child fatherless than that this defeat should have happened. I think I shall go to Indianapolis tomorrow to urge my immediate appointment in our new regiment. I want to help retrieve our lost fortune. I have no fear of our ultimate triumph." When the President's second call for volunteers was issued, a movement was at once set on foot to organize a regiment at Evansville, my home, and the Governor of the State had intimated his intention to appoint me Major of this new regiment. On August ninth, my appointment as Major was made. The next day I sent my wife's brother, Alexander, to Glendale, near Cincinnati, where she was visiting her mother, to notify her of the event and give her details of the situation he bore her a letter in which i wrote zan alexander will explain the cause of his coming i want to be with my wife as much as i can before i go so you must hurry home as fast as you can while you are a loving wife remember to be a brave woman and your husband will love you the more i had gone to glendale some time before to talk over with my wife my intention to enter the army, and she had given her consent, but when the time came for me to take the final step, she seemed to hesitate and draw back. It was a terrible trial to contemplate her solitary lot with her little babe, and I away in the army. In answer to her letter, I wrote, quote, You seem in your last letter to be about to withdraw your consent to let me go. That was the special reason of my late visit to Glendale, and I thought it was agreed. I have a very honourable and, to me, very flattering position, and in some degree removed from danger, and, of course, I shall, for the love I bear my wife and child, be as careful of my life as my duty will permit. The President has called for four hundred thousand men, and of that number it is my duty to be one. I regard this as important a war as that of the Revolution the issue is the life and maintenance of the government and i would be ashamed of myself and my children should be ashamed of me in after years if i declined so honorable a position as that tendered me be of good courage End quote. in response to my last call she came at once to evansville and soon entered into the spirit of my work in organizing and outfitting the regiment and as will be seen later in these pages she remained to the close of my service, my faithful and devoted supporter. End of chapter 1